This audio is from the Axis Church in Nashville, Tennessee, and is part of the Advent Sermon Series. For more information, please visit theaxischurch.org. My name is Barrett, and I am a graduate of the PLC program here at the Axis Church. And uh, as many of you know, I'm married to my wife, Whitney. Uh, Together we have a a small business in South Nashville area, and uh, together we have three incredible and crazy children, Valentina, Santiago, and Julian. Uh, They were here in the first service, so you won't have the joys of, of getting to see them this service. Um, but two weeks ago, it was the Sunday after Thanksgiving, I woke up with uh, a familiar feeling of heaviness uh, and sadness and loneliness. And I say familiar because I will go through these various seasons that can be as short as a day and, and last up to several weeks where I would just feel this incredible sense of heaviness and, and, and loneliness. And there's usually no root cause um, to feeling this way, but regardless, I absolutely hate it. Um, and become, before becoming a follower of Jesus, when I would feel that, I would immediately try to cope or escape those feelings by running straight to alcohol or pornography or overindulgence in work, movies, food, you know, something to distract me. And, and honestly, I still have to fight hard not to have my knee-jerk reaction run to those things. But now as a Christian, I'm learning um, to run to Jesus during those times. And, and that honestly, running to all those other things just usually ends up leaving me feeling more lonely, more isolated, uh, and it causes a lot more destruction. And my wife, Whitney, is an incredible resource, though, during these times for me, uh, never trying to fix me. She's always just reminded me just, just to sit in that place of, of heaviness and that where I am is, is perfectly okay. And in those moments, I absolutely hate her advice. Um, she can attest that I do not do well with comfort or discomfort and pain, and, and I always wanted to end immediately and as soon as possible. Uh, and although I forget it in the moment, she is right. Um, the best way to get to the other side of those seasons is through it and with the sense of, of gratitude for where God has me in those moments. And Pastor Jeremy asked me to preach this morning on peace and its relationship to Advent. And I was reminded on that Sunday, um, a few weeks ago, when I was feeling that heaviness as I sat through Pastor Derek's opening sermon on Advent, that what I experience during those heavy seasons is a reflection or an image of Advent. You know, Advent is a time of expectation and waiting and longing and celebration. It's a time that that we can learn to hold both things, the the eager waiting and, and preparation for both the celebration of the nativity of Christ at Christmas and longing for the return of Christ at the second coming. And this tug of war between the two can be challenging during this time and throughout our whole lives. And even like we experienced last night, um, you know, here in Middle Tennessee, after what we experienced a couple years ago, even just having the tornado warning can cause a lot of turmoil and, and, and fear and discomfort. And I hear you. I see that. And for our brothers and sisters that experience physical damage to your homes or your property, please reach out um, to us here at the church. We would love to 
come around you, um, to pray with you, to pray for you. And if there is a need that um, was presented because of the tornado, we would love to, to figure out a way to, to help meet that need. So please reach out and, and let us know. But it's during times like this and, and really throughout our whole lives that we need to turn to God's word to see what he has to say uh, about peace. And so um, we're going to do that this morning. And before we jump into his word, we'll pray. Heavenly Father, we Thank you so much um, for bringing us here together this morning. Um, For those that are watching online that can't physically be with us, Lord, we pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to hear what you do have to say, Lord. We desperately need you. Um, We need your peace, God. Um, And you are the only true source of peace. So help us to, to hear that and to receive that through your word this morning. Amen. So our scripture that we will be using as our jumping off point uh, is in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And it reads, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, and keeping watch over the flock by night. And and an angel angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So using this scripture as our our central focus for this morning, we're going to be discussing three things about peace. First, who who this good news um, is is meant for, uh, the significance of this peace for our future, and how we can experience God's peace in our day-to-day. So first, who is this peace promised for? Who should listen to the message from the angel, and who should pay attention to these words? Well, in verse 10, the angel proclaims, I bring good news and great joy that will be for all the people. So the answer to our question of of who the intended audience is for this message of of good news is everyone. For all people, a Savior named Jesus Christ was born. And this sentiment is echoed throughout the entire New Testament. 1 John 4 states that we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And Paul writes to us in Titus, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. In John 3, 16 through 17, famously states, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, for God, gave his only son. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So the whole world includes you, it includes me. It includes your coworker, the guy that was rude to you at the coffee shop line this morning, not at Surefire, but some other um, lesser than coffee shop, your best friend, everyone involved in the Israeli conflict, your roommate, your spouse, your children. It's clear throughout scripture that Christ came not for a specific group of people or a specific person, but that Christ came for every person. And so the good news of Christ is for all to hear, but... There's a phrase in the last line of our scripture from Luke that we really need to pay attention to. In verse 14, we read that the heavenly host praise God and say, glory to God in the highest 
and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So the good news is for the whole world, but, for, but peace is for those with whom God is pleased. So then our most, neck, our most logical question that we should be asking is, well, who is God pleased with? Well, based on your past relationship with Christianity, you might believe that God is, is pleased with good people. Um, or that he is pleased with people that come to church every single Sunday, or stand up and fight for justice, or uh, people that donate a lot of money to really great uh, organizations. Or possibly uh, he's pleased with those that stand up here and preach every Sunday morning. Well, according to Matthew 5.48, we learn that for God to be pleased, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And when I do just a quick 30-second analysis on my life, or even just this morning before coming to church and probably while at church, it's not hard to see that I fall very short of this command to live perfect as my heavenly Father is perfect. And Paul actually says in Romans 3 that all have sinned and that all fall short of the glory of God. So no one can meet this command to be perfect. And we also learn in Romans 6 that the wage or the consequence of this sin our rebellion against God, not living that perfect life, the consequence for that is death or life separated from God now and for eternity. So again, the good news is for the whole world and for all people to hear, but peace is for those who live a perfect life. Well, if that's true, then we need a way to be seen as perfect before God. We need a way for him to be pleased with us However, the reality is is that we cannot do enough good to earn God's favor. We cannot attend enough church services or or fight for enough causes or give away enough money. Trying harder just isn't going to cut it because the expectation is way too high. But this is exactly why Christ came. From the moment that Christ was born, he lived a perfect life. He fulfilled the command to be perfect as God is perfect. And that's the life that we can't live. And additionally, Christ went on to receive the punishment that we deserve for not having lived that perfect life. Christ came to live the life of perfection that we could not. And then he died the death that we deserved for not having lived that perfect life. And Isaiah 53, 5 puts it this way. But he, Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace, the punishment was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. And again, John 3.16 states that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life or be counted as those with whom God is pleased those who receive peace. So because Christ paid this price, if we believe in him and if we proclaim him as our savior, then we are counted as those with whom God is pleased. And that carries us to our second point, the significance of this promised peace for our future. So accepting Christ's work on our behalf is accepting him as our savior. And accepting him as our savior means that we have been redeemed from death and hell and that our eternity, our future, will be one of peace with God. 
And a peaceful eternity with God means that we will be with Christ forever, where sin and sorrow and weaknesses and sufferings and enemies and fears will be completely shut out, and they'll no longer be able to abuse our hearts in the way that they do in this life. We will have perfect sight, and we will no longer experience darkness, anticipation, isolation, and loneliness. And we will love with a pure, unmixed, perfect love that will allow us to share an unimaginable oneness with God. And Revelation 21.4 describes this peaceful eternity as one without any more pain and, and sadness or brokenness. It states that he, God, will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things, the hardships of this life have passed away. So there will be joy and celebration and, and perfect intimacy with our creator, complete and perfect tranquility, calmness, rest, order, harmony. And if you're a parent, these words are very, very attractive to you because if your house is like ours, we rarely get to have these moments. Uh, Whitney went on a 24-hour silent retreat a couple of weeks ago, and she used words like this to describe her time there, very calm and, and peaceful, uh, except she kept saying, it just wasn't enough. I needed more time, uh, so much so that I was afraid we weren't going to get her back. But I happily reminded her that the peace she experienced was just a taste of her eternal peace, um, and that her work in this life was not yet finished, and we, we needed her help back at home. So please come help me, because <laughs> um, raising kids is really hard, if you didn't know. Um, which brings us then to our, our third point, how this promised peace uh, impacts us today. And throughout Scripture, we read how we can experience the peace of God here and now. 2 Thessalonians 3 says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. So although we don't deserve it, in his mercy towards us, God not only offers us a relationship through his son, Jesus, but the ability to draw near to him and experience his peace in our daily lives. And one of the things, though, that I've learned over the past six years of being a Christian is that although the peace of God is immediately available to us, that moment that we, we profess him as our Lord and Savior, it can take time to trust or to know that, that, that we should trust him with, to give us peace. Because for me, doing my own thing my own way for the first 30 years of my life taught me a lot of really bad habits, and it caused a lot of scars. And so I'm constantly falling back into those old habits of believing that it's up to me to create my own peace. And it makes me think of um, our children and our journey as becoming a family over the past several years. We adopted our children um, back in, in September of 2021, and our children came to us from a very turbulent and uncertain uh, an unstable place. And, and even though I would have done anything to protect them from the moment that they were under our care, they could not feel that and they could not receive that from me. And just a few days after being united with our kids while we were still in Columbia, Whitney and I naively thought that it would be a great idea to take our brand new family to a Colombian trampoline park. And uh, Colombian trampoline parks are a lot like U.S. trampoline parks, except there's less supervision, less rules, and a lot higher jumps. So equals more fun. Uh, and, uh, you know, what could go wrong? 
So here, Whitney and I go, two white Americans um, that don't really speak any Spanish, but we speak a lot of English, uh, with three little children who look nothing like us. They don't know us, and they cannot speak the same language as us. What could go wrong? Um, everything was actually going fine until Whitney and I had the, the great idea to take just a few moments to stop jumping so that everybody could have a drink and something to eat because that's what the books told us to do with our children. So we did that. But however, our message of love and care and compassion for our children did not translate to three-year-old Julian, and he lost his mind when we asked him to stop. Um, And although I did black out for most of this experience, uh, for the next hour, we chased him around the trampoline park while he was screaming and crying and kicking to the point of almost vomiting. Um, And I just kept thinking, please, God, don't let everyone think I'm trying to kidnap this child. Uh, but, But we made it through. Uh, you know, there was absolutely nothing that we could do to help him understand that we wanted to take care of him and to keep him healthy and to keep him having fun for the whole time that we were there. He was officially our son. We had adopted him into our family, but he had not yet learned that he could trust us. And so he spent the entire time running from us and fighting us. Now, fortunately, Over the past two years, that sweet and crazy little boy has started to learn that we truly do love him and that we do want the very best for him. And along with his brother and sister, and all at their own individual pace, he's learning that he can trust us, learning to believe that we can help him find peace and safety in his life and that we want this for him probably more than, than he does right now. But this has required him to really let go of a lot of control over many aspects of his life and to somehow live in the tension of his past hurts and pains that taught him to protect himself in an unhealthy way, but to learn to put his hope and his faith in something and and someone different. And to be clear, because sometimes analogies with adoption can get misconstrued, we're not Huli's saviors, and we can never bring him the true rest and the peace that he needs. And in fact, as imperfect parents, we're probably adding to some of his trauma as Whitney and I are trying to learn how to, to, to give him that peace and, and that love. Um, but we pray that, that Huli will continue to learn to look past Whitney and me and to see their heavenly father, the only one that can bring him true, lasting peace and rest. However, Huli's life and his journey is is a beautiful and very heavy picture of our relationship with our Heavenly Father. You know, God provides a way for us to experience peace, and, and even after we've accepted his terms and conditions as his children, belief in his son Jesus, we still fight and we rebel and we run and we try to do our own thing in our own way, by spending our our energy, our efforts, and our resources just trying to create our own peace. And I I think we do this because although we're promised peace for all eternity, right now in this life, that can feel so far away. I mean, life is still hard and, and arguably harder when you become a Christian. Becoming a follower of Jesus doesn't you know, automatically come with this guarantee of financial freedom or business success or a life of ease. 
relationships. They still present challenges. Bills still need to be paid. People still cut you off in traffic. Cancer and miscarriages still exist. Tornadoes still cause emotional and physical damage. And we have all of these things that are causing tension and unrest and pain and suffering. And so we're constantly asking, how can I have peace in my life? And God responds, well, I've given you my son, and I've given you everything, and an entire book that can practically tell you how you can find peace in this broken world. But yet we respond with, yeah, but it might not look like the way I think it should be done. But even still, with our stiff-armed pushback, we read in God's kind, his kind response to our fruitless efforts in John 14 when Jesus says, peace I leave with you. In my peace, I give it to you. I want you to have this peace. And not as the world gives do I give to you. So don't, don't spend your energy looking there. Let not your hearts be troubled, and neither let them be afraid. To be clear, by accepting Christ as your Savior, your eternity with him is set forever. The work is finished. There's nothing that you can do to lose that salvation. There's nothing more you can do to gain it. However, to find peace in this life, we not only have to accept Christ as our Savior, but we must also learn to submit to him as our Lord. And the term Lord is defined as, as one who has authority or control or, or power over one's life. Um, it's acting as a master or chief or a ruler. And, and in today's time, those can be some pretty triggering or controversial terms, but that's because it's, it's hard for us, I think, to separate Christ's perfect lordship, which is full of grace and mercy, with how we as humans have um, really used lordship to, to cause harm um, for many people. But Christ, as our Lord, offers a way of living that brings peace. Through his word, we're giving commandments and guidelines that, yes, can be hard to obey in, in a world that's full of distractions, but commandments that can bring us actual true peace when we follow them. And so accepting his lordship in all areas of our lives can bring us peace. So we must learn to accept him as lord in our finances, in our relationships, in our sexuality, our gender, our possessions, in our future, our passions, in our work, in our hobbies, and, and in our health. Because when Jesus says phrases like, if anyone would come after me and let him deny himself and let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, he, he isn't saying this to add to our burden or because he wants to bring us harm. And in fact, he actually says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. I want to give you peace. I don't want to add to the burden. It's just like with Huli at the trampoline park. I knew how to keep him healthy and happy. I wanted him to stop and refuel so that he could keep playing all day. I wanted him to follow these guidelines and these commandments that would help ensure that he would be safe and healthy. I didn't want to bring him harm. And, and Jesus says in Matthew seven eleven that if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, well, then how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And, and I love the way that Peter puts it in 2 Peter 3 when he says, based on his promise, God's promise, we wait for the new heavens and the new earth where righteousness dwells. Therefore, dear friends, while you wait for these things, make every effort to be found without spot or blemish in his sight following his commands, and living at peace. God gives us commands to obey, a way of living this life, 
so that we can be safe and healthy and that we can live in peace today while we wait for his coming kingdom. And one of the most powerful examples of submitting to God's will and experiencing peace amidst extreme turmoil and challenge is Jesus on the night that he was betrayed and arrested. Leading up to this moment, Jesus had been predicting his betrayal and arrest and crucifixion. And just earlier in the evening um, of his arrest, he actually shared a meal with his disciples and his betrayer, Judas. And so the heaviness and the pain of, of this moment had been coming with a lot of anticipation and buildup. And the stress and the sorrow and the, the weight. And what, what he does in that moment is incredible. Instead of trying to, to fight to figure out a different way, he submits to his father. And we pick up in the middle of that story in Matthew 26. It says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he told his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. So instead of doing what I typically do, which is problem solve and try to to put an end to the pain and the suffering, Jesus comes to his father to pray. And he goes on, taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. So he felt the heaviness and the tension of this moment. Sorrowful and troubled are, are not words of peace. And he said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. And then going a little further, he fell face down and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, please let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. So Jesus is not running from the pain and the weight of this moment. Instead, he's running to his father, making his requests known, but ultimately submitting to his will. Jesus knows where to find peace. And again, a second time he went away and he prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And then he went away again and he prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. And then he came to his disciples and he said to them, see, the time is near. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. So in this moment, We read how Jesus models for us how we can live in the tension of of being promised peace for all eternity, but existing in a world that is still full of a lot of brokenness and and where peace feels so far away from the moment. I mean, more than any of us, Jesus knew of the peace that awaited him after his death, his future peace. But yet in this life like us, he lived in a world that was full of brokenness, sin, and confusion, brokenness. And in this moment, he brought to his father his desires, but in the end, he faithfully submitted to his father's will. And so amidst the most crushing moment of his life, Jesus had peace. And to those whom God has pleased, that very same peace is offered to us us and to you. So as we move into communion right now, and we find ourselves in the middle of Advent, I I encourage you to to take this opportunity to reflect on the current condition of peace in your own life. For my brothers and sisters who have received Christ as your Savior and, and you await your eternal peace, ask the Lord to reveal to you what is standing in the way right now from, from you experiencing um, his peace today. And for my dear friends who are not yet Christians, but that you were brave enough to come here this morning or or watch online, 
I want you to ask yourself what your plan is to find peace today and for all eternity. Because if the answer is anything other than Jesus, I would beg you to ask God what it would look like for you to accept his invitation of finding peace and experiencing peace in this life and for all eternity. Remember, the good news of Jesus is is for all to hear, and his peace is for those who accept him as Savior. So if you have any questions about this, please find myself or any of the other guys standing in the back. We would be more than happy. We would love the opportunity to to walk with you as, as you learn what it looks like to have uh, to submit to Jesus as your Lord and Savior and to, to experience his peace today and, and forever.